I don't know if you caught it. You know, we always, as Anglicans, we have four readings, including the psalm. I don't know if you caught it, but there a, was a distinct theme running through the first three lessons. Bernice, who usually is my um, Bible quiz answerer, is not here this morning, so I'm looking for a, somebody volunteer. Who noticed the theme that runs through those first three lessons, the psalm and the Old and New Testament lessons? Anybody catch it? Father Larry? Giving you generosity. Generosity. Exactly. Thank you. Boy, they, you know, all that theological training paid off. Good job. Generosity, absolutely. The, the theme of generosity runs through these first, first three lessons. In the Old Testament from Deuteronomy 15, we have this, this incredible uh, call for the people of God to, after this, on the seventh year, to forgive the debt of its owed to you by someone who's less fortunate than you. Uh, indentured servanthood is, was something that was done back then. If you couldn't afford to pay your bills, sometimes you would, you would basically give yourself as, a, as an indentured slave or indentured servant over to, to someone to, to be over you, to be your master for a certain length of time. But it's just until your debt was paid. And, and, but, but here in Deuteronomy, the, 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 we're told that, that, that the Lord's will is that no matter what has been borrowed, that after seven years, it should be returned. And Moses recognizes under the Holy Spirit's power that, that the, the tendency is going to be, look, if it's the sixth year, you're not going to want to loan any money because you know you've only got one year until that's going to be forgiven. And so the tendency is to think, oh, well, I'll, I'll, not, I'll be stingy here. And, and yet the command of God is that we know we're to be, we're to be generous in that. We're to be generous that, that we're to, to make sure that those in our community are cared for. The psalm in Psalm 112 is actually the response psalm to Psalm 111. And the Psalm 112, we hear about the righteous person. And the righteous person is characterized in verse 5 by dealing generously and lending. And verse 9 says that they distribute freely and have given to the poor. This is what the generous person looks like the righteous person looks generous and and in contrast that last verse that was actually part of the refrain that we sang is the reminder of the wicked and the wicked is basically the miser it's the stingy person who looks at the generosity of the righteous person and he burns him up but the psalmist says they'll fade away and then the incredible story in second corinthians chapter 8 the story of Paul admonishing this church in Corinth, which is in Greece, uh, in the country of Greece. And he is admonishing them to be like their, their poor neighbors, the Macedonians, who hardly have anything to, to call you know, possessions. And yet Paul relates that the Macedonian churches have given not just out with joy, but out of their need. In other words, they're, they're poor, they have wants, they have needs themselves, and yet they've given generously to the work of of God in Jerusalem. And Paul is collecting a, 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 an offering to take back to Jerusalem because of this great famine that's going on in Jerusalem. And so they are, they're, they're giving sacrificially and generously. Generosity reflects the very nature of God. That's very clear. It's, it's called to be, and we're, we're called to be generous. What's the last time you had the opportunity to really be generous? I don't mean you gave a little extra on the tip or you let somebody out into traffic, but I mean really generous, exceedingly generous. You had the opportunity to be generous to someone. 
How did it go? Were you successful? Or did you shrink back? Doesn't have to be monetary. It could be of our time or it could be of our, our talents as well. I think that that generosity is the very thing the Lord is calling us to be in our lives. The reality though is we have to figure out how to become generous because if we're honest with ourselves, oftentimes, like in the psalm, we find ourselves to be stingy. It is within our nature. It's part of our fallen, broken nature to be, to be stingy. Do we want to be generous? Well, we definitely want people to be generous towards us. Before COVID, I was taken on a, a ski trip with my daughter, Charlie, and this gentleman, Larry, God bless him, took us off to, to Colorado and all expense paid. And he lavished us with an amazing trip that, frankly, I would never be able to afford. Probably the nicest vacation of my life. And, uh, and, um, and it, was just, it was just so generous. We want people to be generous towards us, don't we? Well, then we should want to be generous ourselves. So the question becomes, how do we stop being stingy? How do we stop being like that miser in the last verse of Psalm 112? How do we learn to become like Christ? Well, something that I'm learning, and I think it's really true, I think the recovery communities have known this for a long, long time. We don't just stop doing something. All respect to Nancy Reagan, but you don't just say no, okay? You don't just say no to something. You, you, you say no to something because you're saying yes to something else. Is that right? Is that, am I on the right track? That there's always something that we are saying yes to that we believe is better than the thing we're saying no to us. And in fact, it is the ability to, to see the goodness of what we're saying yes to that gives us the strength to say no to the other thing. So maybe there's a prevailing sin of your life. Maybe it's being stingy. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's greed maybe it's 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 envy maybe it's just you know whatever you fill in the blank it's important to recognize that we don't just say no to something we don't have the strength to that it's that we're saying yes to something else that allows us to let go of the thing that's of destructive behavior if sin if one definition of sin is Thinking about Genesis 3 that I preached on a few weeks ago. If sin is turning away from God to something else, repentance is turning away from that something else back to God. And recognizing that he is the good that is worth giving something else up for. That what he can provide to us far outweighs the thing that we're nervous about letting go of. If we are truly honest with ourselves, at the bottom of our stinginess, our lack of generosity, it's, it's fear, right? Father James preached on fear last week, kind of introduced the topic. And the disciples in the boat and they're afraid. But I think that fear can be really well placed here in our understanding of, of generosity and stinginess. To think in terms of, of how we, uh, how we uh, look at situations. What is it we're, we're fearing that there won't be enough? We tightly hold on to those things because we fear that it'll run out. Think about Jairus and the story in the gospel, right? And you guys are going to get to the gospel eventually. 
the Jairus in the gospel story, I mean, in, in a real way, because Jesus delays and deals with this woman who has a 12-year flow of blood, she's been having a menstrual cycle basically for 12 years, he, he stops and cares for her. He won't allow her just to be anonymously healed, but he wants to know her. But in the process of knowing this woman and healing her, we don't even get her name in the scriptures, Jairus' daughter dies. It's, it's just like Jesus is, he does, this, is his, this is his pattern, right? He hears that Lazarus is sick. He delays and Lazarus dies. We should begin to understand that Jesus has a separate, a different, you know, agenda for things. That, that the things that we fear the most are not the things that Jesus fears at all. He delays and in the process, the daughter dies. And isn't it true that oftentimes our, our stinginess, our lack of generosity comes out of this fear that there won't be enough. That I'll get to the end of my life and I'll run out of money. That, that, I'll, that I, will, I will be generous with my time and that there'll be no time for me. That I will give my talent away and other people will become rich off their talents and I'll be poor because I just give my talent away. I mean, isn't that the reality that we fear those things? We, we fear the loss. We have, if you will, a poverty mentality. We have a, a scarcity problem. We, James talked about it last week, right? We saw it with toilet paper and gasoline, just, you know, we, we see it all the time. This, this, this fear of, of there not being enough. And yet the Lord is calling us to generosity. He calls us to, rather than fearing the loss, the being not enough for me, if I give to you, to be gracious and to be overwhelming, to be like those Macedonian Christians who found the joy to give not out of their abundance, but out of their need. But remember, it's not simply just, just say no. It's just, okay, I'm gonna stop being stingy. How much money can I give you, Bob? Or how much money can I give you, Anna? It is your birthday, I should give you something here. So let, what, it's, it's, it's not just saying no to stinginess, but, but coming to a place of trusting in the Lord in such a way that he begins to do this work of generosity in us. The gospel lesson that we're given from Mark 5 is what theologians call a Markian sandwich. And it's, it, I, no kidding, it's what they call it. And it's the idea that, 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 that Mark will lay out a story. He begins a story and then he interrupts that story and then he comes back to that story. You see that, right? So it's the story of Jairus, this, this, this senior warden or junior warden in his congregation. He's, he's a lay person. He's not ordained, but he's in charge of, of making sure that everything runs right, getting the lights on and all the things are taken care of. And, and he comes, very prominent man, he comes with a real need that Jesus sees the need in his eyes and he responds to. But then the story is broken with this poor woman made poor by her spending all of her money trying to find healing, and yet she's no better off, as a matter of fact, worse off. And then at the end, we come back to Jairus. Well, Mark, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, does that because he wants us to understand the importance for Jairus, the importance is to understand the story of the woman. I think probably that's the reason why we're, we're told 
that she's had the flow of blood for 12 years and the little girl is 12 years old. So we'll, we'll see the connections there. And what Jesus wants to communicate to Jairus is that, is that this woman is not an interruption to the healing of his daughter, but in fact is the lesson that Jairus must most desperately need to learn. What does Jesus say to Jairus? Don't, don't doubt. Believe. Despite the, the jarring crowd, you know, they're paid mourners that were, would go to a funeral in the first century. You would pay, no matter how poor you were, you'd pay, pay some ladies to come and cry and wail out loud to be a part of your mourning. It might be healthy in the process of grief, but, but in this situation, it was premature because Jesus is about to raise this girl from the dead. And yet these mourners, when Jesus says, she's not dead, she's just asleep, they begin to laugh at Jesus. They begin to shame Jesus, or at least attempt to shame Jesus, because he's daring to do what they know is impossible. What was the issue with the woman with the flow of blood? Does she come up to Jesus and say, Jesus, I believe you're a healer. Will you heal me? No, she finds him in the crowd and she quietly just grabs a hold of his garment. Why does she do that? Because she's embarrassed. She would also have been ceremonially, ceremonially unclean. She would, in fact, would have been breaking rabbinic law for her to reach out and touch Jesus because then she's made him unclean. Oh, wow. A God who's willing to be made unclean so that we can be made clean. A God who's willing to become poor and identify with our poverty in order that we might become rich. Jairus, are you getting the lesson here? So what does Jesus do? It's, it's, not, it's not that she's stingy. It's a different situation. This woman is, is trapped in shame and humility and her poverty. And she reaches out to Jesus and he heals her. But Jesus doesn't just want to heal her. He wants to know her. Who are you that touched me and were healed? The Lord of the universe. The God who created all of the world. Wants to know you. Wants to be in relationship with you. The woman, we're told, comes in fear and trembling before Jesus. I would suggest to you that that is a definition of what it means to fear the Lord. When we fear the Lord, it's not like fearing getting sick or running out of money or somebody rejecting us. It's the kind of awe and wonder. It's the adoration that causes us to come trembling before the God of gods and the Lord of lords. And to obey him and to say, Lord, whatever you want to do with me is far better than what I've done for myself. And she, in that moment, 
Jesus says, her faith has made her well. Jairus is a part of this Markian sandwich because, because Jesus wants Jairus to understand it's about trusting in Jesus regardless of the circumstances. The psalm, Psalm 112, says this really well. It's, it's the fear of the Lord rather than the fear of our circumstances. It's belief that the one who has called us is able to do what he promises. And that if we approach him, he will do something in us that is marvelous. That he has the power to transform us into people of generosity. Four times in the Second Corinthians passage, talking about this Macedonian, Macedonian Christians, four times we're told the grace of God, the act of grace, the grace of God, the act of grace. Over and over again, the emphasis on, on the fact that this is something that the Lord has done in these Macedonian Christians. He has transformed them into people of radical generosity in the face of overwhelming, fear-inducing circumstances. And so the question for us this morning is, will we fear the Lord? Will we come humbling and trembling before him and obey him? Or will we shrink back out of fear of circumstances and grip tighter to what we think we have? Not every sick child gets well. We know that. Not every long-term injury or sickness is healed. But Jesus Christ, who says to that young girl, young person, arise. Will one day wipe away every tear. And death will be defeated. Death will be no more. And he who brought the young girl from the dead and Lazarus from the dead and he who himself rose from the dead makes the promise to us that if we believe in him, we too will arise. Friends, the Lord is calling us to be generous. He is calling us to trust him that a life of generosity will bring joy beyond all belief. But we become generous through our trust in Jesus. May this be a community of generosity. May this be a place where if you're new here and you're reluctant to be generous and you're afraid that you come in and you feel overwhelmed with love and generosity and people who are willing to give of their time and their money and their talents to bless and support you. And may you find Jesus in the midst of this community.
to be the God who loves you so much. He was willing to become poor, as Paul says, that we might be rich. That he himself is the door to that life that you desire to live. And that he's able to accomplish it as we fall before him, as this woman of faith does in our gospel this morning. Let's pray. Father, you are such a generous God. Lord, in our sin, you came looking for us. You sought us out. And you desired to redeem us, to to save us, to, to bring us back from death to life. And to teach us, Lord, how to live into your likeness day by day. Gracious Father, may you continue to shape us as a community such that we'd be open-armed, Lord, for those that you bring to us. That they too may know your generosity and your love and your joy. Lord, will you bless them through us. For this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.